Welcome to Just Schooling It. I'm your host, Dia Adams. This podcast will be used to educate teachers, parents, students, and the community on different issues, trends, and resources. In this part four, episode B of the Racial Pandemic series, I will continue my discussion with Mr. Junior Bernardin from the Ron Clark Academy on how this racial pandemic affects our educational system, along with solutions to address this issue. But first, here is an announcement. Teachers, are you looking for classroom tips and engagement ideas? Check out my Out of the Box Education Facebook page. That's Out of the Box Education. You know, I can recall uh, I was doing an observation when I was working on my master's at a high school and there was um, a white teacher there and she was so afraid of the black male that she had her husband in the classroom. He would just sit there and read the newspaper. I guess he was protecting her or whatever. But I mean, she really did not reach those kids at all because how how can you teach them when you're afraid of them and for what? And so what I, I would find that she would do is when I would come, this one particular young man that she couldn't get to do any work, she would give me his work so that I could help him with it. And I just thought that was such a tragedy because I'm not, you know, I'm just observing. I'm not even the teacher. What's going to happen after I stopped my observation? And I just, I was just floored at the fact that why, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Why have you come to that conclusion that you need to be afraid? And it was just mind boggling. I just, I didn't understand that. Well, if you look at what has happened over the years, and this is where you're getting stuck up talk about systematic racism. Um, I actually sat down with our co-founder, Ms. Bearden, about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And we were just having a conversation. And we have conversations about race. You know, um, she adopted three um, young South African boys, um, of course, with their parents' permission. Mm-hmm. Um, she adopted them, brought them over here to America. Helped, you know, they went to school at RCA. They're graduating high school. They're headed to college now. Um, and you know, the times that she has had, like, you know, struggles, because she's like, I'm a white lady. I don't know how to talk to these boys about hair. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to talk to these boys. Like, you know, so she's so she what she did instead was invited us to be kind kind of become a part of the conversation. Right. You know, hey, you know, um, what would you suggest about this? And um, would you mind coming to Because she's like, she understood the importance of him also being around people that of the kids being around people that look like them, that can relate to them, that could understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was still doing her work in trying to figure that out. And when I was talking with her, and it was funny, I said, you know, Kim, I remember walking through the African-American Smithsonian Museum in D.C. Mm-hmm. And I said, I was walking with the kids and we were talking about things. And I was like, and I forgot what I told the kids, but somehow I got on Aunt Jemima. Mm. And the kids were like, Oh wait, Andre, yeah, like, and I started showing them how it how it was related to quite a few things during um, the United States racial past, and I was like, yeah, and I said you have to understand, like, I want you, 
I want you to take a look at what society was feeding people. Mm-hmm. And I brought up cartoons. And mind you, these are cartoons. I'm talking about Bugs Bunny, um, uh, Looney Tunes, Foghorn Lake. Like, I'm talking about all of And I pulled up some episodes for her to watch. And there were some racist, you know, some very, 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 very uh, racist Undertone. um, mm-hmm. undertones that were in there. And when I showed it to her, I said, yeah, take a look at this. Oh, look. Oh, Bugs Bunny is in Africa. What do you see? You see a what looks like a cartoon black person with teeth around their neck, with mm-hmm. uh, bows and arrows, making noise, chasing people, trying to hurt them. And then when you look at um, was it the Birth of a Nation mm-hmm. when that movie came out and how it depicted uh, people of color um, in that movie? I mean, when you look at systematically how people of color were constantly being portrayed, honestly. You know, I'm gonna take it a little deeper. Okay. Honestly, I think there's something innate within how that. I think I think it was being it was projection. Mm-hmm. We people were projecting what they felt about what they're probably doing. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at how people of color were portrayed, they were being portrayed as this. You know, especially black men, they were being portrayed as, you know, oh. Uh, crazy you know i wouldn't say crazy but like dangerous um they're gonna hurt you they're gonna rape you Mm -hmm. they're gonna do x y and z and if you look at people of color historically i would challenge anybody white to think of one moment where black people as a people did something to harm white people as a people Mm -hmm. in the history of the world right I, said, I challenged them that. I said, well, you can find it. And I'm not talking about an individual scenario. I am talking about as a people. So how do you take people from their homes, enslave them? You beat them. You take their names. You take their history. You take their culture. You take their gods and tell them that they must now assimilate to this new form of life, which involves them picking cotton. Mm. or tobacco or working the fields or working inside as a um you know working inside as a enslaved like how do you take all of that and the damage that is done and then look at us like we're the dangerous ones right that is something to me that's uh truly a problem um in perspective because if you look historically we've been painted as dangerous when you look from the news aspect if you look at how many communication, uh, how many media and communication that are black owned mm-hmm. can tell you why the narrative is the way that it is. Because we have not been able to tell our story to the nation. And when we attempt to tell our story to the nation, guess what we're told? All lives matter. Mm-hmm. No, but we're not our ancestors. No, but you're not your ancestors, but you inherited from your ancestors. You're also inheriting this right now. And because this movement is the way that it is, now you have a choice. You will either choose to be like your ancestors or break this system. In this environment, in education, and what people have been dealing with, this it has not been designed for us to win. And people, some people know it. Some people are now awakening to different things and that's good and i could i must say this i'm loving my generation z years right now mm-hmm. my generation z years, they listen 
some of them are not here for the games. <laughs> okay? right. I will tell you that. That's one thing I can say. They were like, I am not with this. I don't care what y'all used to do back in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not with it. So be mad with me. Be mad with me. Disown me. Whatever. But I'm not with it. And I'm happy that some of that generation is brave enough to stand up, especially um, some of the white people there who are brave enough to stand up with their friends Mm -hmm. to say enough is enough. How how should teachers, I mean, we're going to go back to school and in the midst of this pandemic and this, the protesting, what I call the racial pandemic. Yeah. Um, how should teachers teachers handle students that have been taught at home to hate other races? Oh, I could tell you that's really simple. You would okay. treat them the same way you treat bullying in your classroom. Cause that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You treat the same. It's you say zero tolerance, right? So let's right. not have zero tolerance for people of color. Let's have zero tolerance for racism. Because some people are so scared of stepping out and being that voice they're scared to act Mm -hmm. there's some teachers who are who feel uncomfortable with speaking to the masses about where they stand because they're scared of what that backlash might look Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. and they're scared of listen don't don't fear the culture don't fear if you're gonna stand up for us be with us if not you're against us Mm -hmm. it's as simple as that so if you're talking about truly being an advocate for people of color get off your high horse and stand tall and be unapologetic about standing up for what's right. That should be the idea of truly educating students, Mm -hmm. truly creating some global citizens, because there's some opportunities to learn from each other. There's some great opportunities, but if we're not even allowing those to happen and supporting them when they happen and allowing students to understand what's appropriate and what's not, then all we're doing is setting up our society to deal with this even more. Teachers have a power like none other. Mm-hmm. We touch about we touch the lives of just about every American in this in this nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if students are being raised in a way, and they're in the education system for twelve years or more. And they're still holding on to racist beliefs. That means the schools have failed them. Mm-hmm. And haven't told them about the atrocities of their people. Haven't told them about the right or the experience of trying to atone for what has happened in the past to make sure that it never happens again. That right there to me is what teaches. It's zero tolerance on this. Zero tolerance. And I know zero tolerance has been used. um, Zero tolerance has been used. uh, Those policies have been used to oppress people Mm -hmm. of color. Why not use those policies to uplift people of color? Zero policies on racism. On biases. Whether it's sexual orientation. Whether it's skin tone. Whether it's race. Whether it's culture. Mm -hmm. And embrace that in education. Allow people to understand at early ages, mm-hmm. not filling their heads or having them watching cartoons that are, re- are reinforcing stigmas or watching mm-hmm. TV or media that's reinforcing, again, stigmas, stigmas against people of color. 
that's what's needed because this is this is a psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. You know, Daughters of the Confederacy rewrote history in a way that they had the South as if they're like the South were the true winners. So when they're posting up their monuments and everything, that was done to try to bring attention to the fact that several of those people who were part of that war mm-hmm. were going to pass away. And we would have make sure that for years to come, we continue to acknowledge their presence. But you're acknowledging their presence and what they also believed in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't get me wrong. The South has a ton of its issues. The North has its issues, too. Right. The North kind of get a pass on this whole, you know, so, you know, not civil rights, but the Civil War. Mm-hmm. But let's not talk about some of the atrocities that were happening in the North as well. Right. So I say that just to say, um, historically, when we look at education, we look at these teachers and what they need to be doing. They have to be involved. They have to take action. But they have, also have to truly believe in what it is that they're doing. Because mm-hmm. when you have that level of conviction... There is no deterrent. Like, yeah, you find your racist friends. Guess what you're going to do? You're not going to hang out with them. You're going to find you some new friends. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I can help you find some friends that are not racist. Right. You know, because when you step foot in that classroom, guess what? People of color. Oh, we know. We know from the minute you walk in there, whether you're there for us or not. You mentioned monuments, and this was going to be towards the end that I asked you that. But since you brought that up, you know, throughout history, we've seen the Confederate flag and 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 monuments that represent oppression and enslavement of people of color. Now we're seeing that they're being removed. Some people um, support that 100% while others feel like, you know, that that's a part of our American history, even though it's the ugly part, they feel those statues can or could be used as a teachable moment. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think there there could be some truth to that. Okay. Um, however, I do believe that the way that these monuments were erected and the way that the these people are being honored are not in a way where it is providing historic justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so a good friend of mine, uh, her name is Mitra Talaman. She's in um, Italy. Um, and I've had her for a tour guide. And when I tell you, if anybody ever traveled to Italy, you got to go check her out. It's like Tour Guides by Mitra um, on Instagram. I would say check her out if you are ever over there. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I love about the experiences that we have been able to do with our kids is when she talks about history, she doesn't talk about the whitewash version of history. Mm-hmm. She connects the dots. She connects the dots in a way that, again, you're allowing people to develop their own understanding about this particular scenario and situations or events of history. But she provides you with all of the facts, not a false story, not a one-sided narrative, said, let me provide you with all of the facts associated around this person right here. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to talk about him and how, yeah, he led the Confederacy and next Y and Z and whatever. And here's what the Confederacy believe. They believe that it was okay to enslave people of color. Mm-hmm. That was one of their, they said it was very profitable for them. It was okay. So human life did not mean as much as the dollar. They were traded as second grade citizens 
Um, they wanted them to be included as part of um, the ability, like uh, as part of um, the voting process, but not in a way that they can actually vote. They wanted the numbers and wanted them to, you know, the whole that whole three fifths compromise. They wanted the numbers, but they didn't want to give people of color the actual right to vote. Mm-hmm. Let's have those conversations. Mm-hmm. When you're having a debate in the classroom, yeah, was that right? Was that okay? Let's give the realistic scenario. So I mm. take you, I enslave you until you have to work my yard and you have kids. Let's walk them through what that was like. And then ask them, now, what's your, what's your thoughts on this? Mm-hmm. Let's not shy away from racism. Let's not shy away from the ugly side of history. Oh, no, no, no. You need to embrace that. Mm-hmm. You need to embrace because by embracing it, how else are you going to understand what that truly was about? Right. I don't want to give us some glorified tale of how Christopher Columbus came and discovered the new Americas and how Robert E. Lee came and he fought for the Confederacy and he died. And what? What are we mm-hmm. doing? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about these beliefs. Let's talk about these actions. Let's talk about what you all did to people of color. So again, depending on who's telling that story, mm-hmm. I think it should de- depend on where those that whether those statues should be able to stay or not. Okay. But I do think a lot of, if it's up to me, if you ask me my personal opinion, they need to come down. Okay. <laughs> my, <laughs> my personal opinion, yeah, take them down. How should students of color address teachers who may be racist towards them? I uh, have a teacher that uh, was a language arts teacher. I was in the seventh grade in middle school. And I noticed when I needed to ask her a question, she would not acknowledge that my hand was up. But if one of my white counterparts raised their hand, then she answered them. So uh, me being who I am, I go up to her desk and she's like, well, go sit down. If you had been paying attention, you'd know what to do. To the point where as a child, I, you know, I guess I didn't, think about oh I could go home and tell my my parents I just kind of tried to fight my own battle and I ended up kind of being disrespectful because I called her out on it but Mm. how how can um, students address racist teachers well you know one of the things that I actually um, love about this new generation um, because I've noticed some ingenuity that they've been using on you know um, in their everyday life. So back when I was in school, I mean, I've, I had my feel of racist teachers as well. Um, and back when I was in school, you know, you would feel like, what can you do? You would want to bring the news station out, but odds are the news station is probably tied to somebody who has some manipulative power that probably wouldn't even want to cover the story. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people used to go through the route of getting things published in publications, stories, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. writing it, documenting things. Um, so um, I had some students recently. We, um, at the Ron Clark Academy, we actually have these, you know, we started these periodic meetups during COVID with our alumni. Mm-hmm. And our alumni come back at least once or twice a year um, to the school um, during like certain festivities and so forth. And we have a homecoming. And um, we talk to these kids and some of our kids go off to boarding schools, private schools. Some of them are like at Princeton and um, Yale and mm-hmm. uh, UPenn and Washington U, but some are at like Spelman, Morehouse, 
FAMU, North Carolina A&T, like, so we have kids from a variety of, I mean, variety of, uh, we have met a variety of places. Mm-hmm. And these students, um, some of them started actually sharing stories. And the stories that they were sharing about the schools that they attended or something that was currently happening, um, it saddened me beyond belief. Um, and one of the things that we talked to them about was, if you all are experiencing this stuff um, and you've attempted to talk to administration and everything, so first of all, report, keep a detailed report of the mm-hmm. racist act that is happening. You will send an email to the administrators or whoever it is, but you will also CC somebody of influence in your life on that email. Mm-hmm. And preferably somebody with a, a title of sorts. So mm-hmm. if y'all know a family friend that is a lawyer or something along those lines, ask them if it would be okay to include them in a scenario and if they wouldn't mind just kind of overseeing or helping the uh, mediated conversation. Mm-hmm. Because when you send that to a school, um, they look at it differently. Right. Um, most schools, I spoke to a lawyer um, within education. A lot of these, you know, sometimes a lot of these private schools and um, some public schools as well, um, that have had issues with race. And what they say is their biggest power is to be able to keep it quiet. Because mm. when they can keep it quiet, um, that's how that system kind of just continues to kind of repeat itself. Right. Um, I encouraged uh, some of our students to find, um, if they didn't feel like they were up to the task of putting themselves out there or saying, you know what, I'm willing to risk having to leave the school, Um I told them, I said, why don't you find some black alumni from that school? Mm -hmm. People who have been through what you've been through and what that may look like, Um, what that would look like with them voicing their concerns because they're technically not being impacted by those um, individuals at the school. Right. Um, I learned a lot during that time um, because one of the students actually told me, it was very interesting, like um, how some black uh, young ladies Mm-hmm. actually experience sometimes more racism on those campuses than black men because a lot of times when you look at your student body, if you're looking at your black population, they all happen to be athletes. Guess what that mm-hmm. typically means? Mm-hmm. You're kind of revert in a different way. Right. I'm like, yeah, no, he's cool. And yeah, he's da 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 But people who fall in that realm is like, ooh, what does that look like? And don't get me wrong, athletes could deal with racism as well. Right. In those environments. So um, I challenge the kids to really just um, go try to have a voice um, depending on how, they have to first figure out how far they're willing to go. Right. That's step one. Are you willing to go with this? And depending on how far you're willing to go, you can begin to kind of customize a plan to do that. But what I love is I, I I was actually working on this project and I stopped working on the project because I was like, oh, the kids have it handled. Um, I was interested in creating a space where, you know, we can get almost like, kind of like a black credit report <laughs> of some of these schools. So when parents are thinking about sending their kids to these schools, I mean, you can go check out the credit score. Kind oh, of thing. that would be excellent. <laughs> yeah. And I thought about that. And I kid you, it might have been the the next week, all of a sudden I saw all of these Black at Macaulay, Black at Paideia, Black at uh, Instagram pages that were popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And what those pages dictated were students who decided, you know what? We got social media on our side. 
and they created pages where they began to share stories mm. about these schools and the injustices that the students have experienced without necessarily disclosing who those students were. Right. And that opened a whole Pandora's box that a lot of schools weren't ready for. Actually, some school, I know of a school, um, really cool school, Hotchkiss. Um, what they did was they actually created one of those pages and have the kids manage it. Mm-hmm. And say, you know what, kids, we want you to have a voice. We want you to have a place where you feel like you can share your experiences. Um, and, you know, if, we, if there's been something that we've done that where we failed you, then, you know, we need to know about it so we can correct it. Um, mm-hmm. For us as a school of influence and power, I also suggest students who might have former stu- former teachers um, that a former mentor of some sort that could also go and speak on their behalf or mm-hmm. reach out to um, some of reach out to some of the administration at these other schools. So I can't tell you how many times Ron has heard a story and then Ron is like, yeah, I'm I, can I make an appointment uh, with with the principal of X, Y and Z school? And <laughs> and before you know it, and that's one of the things I I, I can say I truly appreciate about Ron. You know, Ron mm-hmm. is uh, he's a unique being, and he's actually you know for him he doesn't have any problem speaking out. Right. And if he says something that might be you know considered insensitive or so forth, he doesn't have any problem owning it. Um. So I think one of those things that I love just about him is he's also be like an advocate. Him, Kim, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, wait, if this is going on, like. We're okay with telling schools, you know what? We're not, we'll tell our students, don't apply to go to your school. Right. If you're not going to give them the opportunity and the experience that they deserve, they're going to be dealing with this crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not doing it. So um, that's probably the main advice I would say. You have to bring it to light. There are some letters, CC some people, mm-hmm. document every step. Because if you need to take things further or go further, you have a paper trail of everything that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, be wary of just having verbal conversations because verbal conversations kind of becomes a your word versus his, mm-hmm. your word versus hers. So if you do have a verbal conversation, reply in an email says, thank you for your time meeting with me today. Um, this is kind of what we discovered. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you implement to kind of help promote change on our campus. Again, documenting every step. Because if you do need to take it legal, take it legal. How do we as educators begin, uh, well, to teach what has been excluded from our curriculum? (sighs) That's one of those things that start from the top, um, per se. Um, When you're looking at the people who are creating the standards, um, lots of times they don't look like us. Right. That history, um, for some people, they don't even know of that history. I can't tell you how many stories um, I've shared with people. And they're like, wait a minute, I, I, I didn't know that. You know, and that's part of the reason that no one really, you know, if you don't know where to look or how to look, then how would you know what you need to change? Um, but I think there is enough resources out right now. Um, there's enough attention that is brought to the issue. There are enough people who are talking about this entire, this entire epidemic that these um, the people in these places have an opportunity to go and start benefiting and start learning uh, mm-hmm. from there. Um, I would say they, would, they should incorporate someone who is well-versed in those areas, a person of color. Right. You know, I know some people have started these, um, um, what they call the um, affinity groups. And if your affinity group is composed of a bunch of people that look like you, 
mm-hmm. and not very melanated, then yeah, that group is, shouldn't be making any decisions about what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and that's just to be, fr- that's just to be frank. Um, yeah. They need to they seek from people who are more experienced and more versed in this area. And also from a historical perspective, you know, may possibly bringing in some his- historians. Mm-hmm. So when you again, when you begin to address and you start talking about things like the French Revolution, you also get to talk about connecting that to Haiti, what Haiti did um, to create the Louisiana Purchase and what Haiti represented and why people were fearful of more uprisings after that of Haiti and how. Um, nations chose to respond after that. That's a good start. Um, I also encourage, if you're like a social studies teacher or history teacher, um, Mm -hmm. one of the ways you can incorporate different stories into what's happening. um, When you talk about a treaty, talk about the results of that treaty. Because most of the treaties, you know, included something that involved land. And when you talk about that land, look at the people who lived in that area. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about their story. (laughs) <laughs> when you start talking about their story and how this fight or um, war that was occurring impacted them, then you begin to start talking about something um, that's really important. Um, if you look at great monuments and different things that were um, constructed, mm-hmm. look at the people who constructed them and look at what was happening during that time. But most importantly, you know, ask about what was there before then. You know, people hear about Central Park in New York. Well, you know, there was a black community that lived there before it became Central Park, right? Uh-huh. You know, go check that out. Mm-hmm. When you start talking about Black Wall Street and Oklahoma, like we need to be talking about these things in the classroom right. and how they relate. Because we talk about the state histories and we talk about the national histories, but we're picking and choosing what to talk about versus giving a holistic picture mm-hmm. of what these what this history looks like. We talk about Christopher Columbus um, discovering the new world and Hernando's Cortez and XY, but we're not talking about the Moors. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about navigators. Let's talk about navigators. Um, if you're going to be talking about the Seminole tribes, talk about the Black Seminoles and talk about the Underground Railroad in a way that includes some of the Underground Railroad that headed in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Like to Mexico. Um, so when I say, when you're teaching these things, Teach the full history because people of color, if you walk through a timeline of what they experience in these various places, you will truly begin to understand what it is that you need to be including as part of this educational experience Mm -hmm. so that not only your black students feel heard, feel seen outside of just saying they were slaves, but also providing some of the non-Black students the opportunity to learn the real history instead of the whitewashed, sugar-coated version. Mr. Bernard, and again, I appreciate you sharing with us today. Uh, during my visit to RCA, I told Mr. Clark that it had taken me eight years to get there um, prior to seeing him here at a, a convention that we had in Oklahoma City. And he asked me, he said, uh, when are you coming back? And I told him, hopefully it won't be another eight years. So he wrote a deadline date in my book that um, he autographed for 3721. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again by then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it happen. 
And um, I, I just thank you and, and God bless. No, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. And this, you know, I think we need more people like you who are down for the cause and who are all about amplifying these voices and, you know, helping people because, you know, right now I say that, you know, our youth are at jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Um, They've been at jeopardy and we are trying to find a way to truly provide them with the quality of life that they deserve. So thank you for the hard work you're doing um, to allow this to happen. We'll be back after this. Are you looking for a good barbecue sauce, rub, old school pickle products and preserves and more? Try Sweet Spirit Foods at www.sweetspiritoklahoma.net. That's www.sweetspiritoklahoma.net. And let the spirit catch you. Welcome back to Just Schooling It. It's library and resource time. Can you give uh, suggestions of any good books, documentaries, movies for educators, parents, or the community in general? Um, White Fragility. Um, I've been hearing a lot of people talk, you know, very highly on that book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that book is, uh, you know, really something powerful to help people unpack, begin unpacking what, what that might be. Um, if you want to go history-wise, history mm-hmm. um there is a DVD series called um, Hidden Colors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Hidden Colors. I think like one, two, and three, four, five, and six are kind of like, uh, but definitely one and two. Um, I think it's a must watch for, for everyone, including mm-hmm. people of color. Um, must watch for that. And there's one called The, um, the Secret History of Haiti. Okay. Um, and though particular that that those dvds and you can find them on amazon um those dvds to me will at least start you off with getting you down that journey for you to understand what that looks like Um, because you have a ton of black historians um in these dvds kind of sharing stories with you and sometimes sharing their opinions you'll be able to tell the difference between their opinions and um facts and you know their beliefs and stuff but Mm -hmm. it does paint enough a picture It it does paint enough of a picture about it Mm-hmm. Um, where you can truly understand um, where things are kind of going. Mm-hmm. Um, people can, outside of books, you can do research on some individuals like John Punch. Mm-hmm. Um, John Punch was an indentured servant, actually was considered the, well, I can't say he was considered the first slave um, or first enslaved African, but he was an indentured servant who attempted to run away with two other white indentured servants and they were penalized with a couple of additional years. He was penalized by having to be an indentured servant for life. Mm. And they were all together doing the same thing. So when you start looking at um, history, it's um, history in the United States is um, super dope. And now it's time for our final review. 
Black history and American history are one and the same. Yet people of color are often seen as a subtext, a minute addition to a story mostly centered around the Europeans, often negatively portrayed as dangerous, insignificant beings. It is the responsibility of every educator to explore and teach the beauty as well as the ugliness. Yes, this includes addressing race. Race and American history are impossible to disentangle or separate and have to be addressed so that we won't have another generation of bigotry and hate. Dr. Maya Angelou said it best. Won't it be wonderful when black history and Native American history and Jewish history and all of U.S. history is taught from one book, just U.S. history? Well, that's our cue. School is out. Be sure to tune in to part C of the racial pandemic in our educational system. And remember, you're never too young or old to learn, and it's cool to be schooled.